0: Parkview. This is Dave Thielen here. I attend the New Lenox campus. Uh, Just wanted to talk to you guys a little bit about what we're doing here on one of Parkview's global trips. I'm here with some awesome friends.
1: Hey, Parkview!
0: And we're here in Limerick, Ireland. Super awesome. We're actually here with um, a church that Parkview helped to start um, in Limerick, Ireland. It's called Elevate and what we're doing here is we're just helping to support them and building up their church they have some rooms that need to be re-renovated so that way they can reach more people in limerick they're one of the few churches out here so if you could just be praying for us pray that we all stay healthy pray that the work that we need to get done in renovating some of these rooms in a building that's over 150 years old pray that we get all that work done that we need to and most importantly pray that we are able to be jesus to other people while we're out here that would be so awesome. We love you guys.
1: Bye.
0: Well, hey, everyone. So glad that you are here this weekend. If you are around the building, or maybe even today you're on patio outside, we are really glad that you are here. And if you're online with us, we want to welcome you as well. I know summer's kicked off, and there's probably many of you are out there, maybe at a lake house or on vacation or in your car. Anyway, we're glad that you're here and so thankful that you have connected with us. Uh, my name's Chad. This is Tina. And We're on staff here at the church, and we just are really glad that you are here. Uh, if you've got questions, maybe you are newer to our church and just curious how to get connected and to know what's happening from week to week, uh, the best way that you could do that is to grab the Connect card that's right in front of you on the chair back. You can fill that out and drop it off at the doors you leave. We'd love to connect with you. Or today, if you're here in person, you can go out to our lobby to our Next Steps booth. We've got some friends out there that would love to meet you and answer any questions that you have. And everything that we're going to share with you today And all of the things that are happening here at Parkview can be found at Parkview Church. Now, we've got some incredible things happening in our kids' ministry, and Tina's going to tell you all about it.
2: Yeah, we do. This summer in Parkview Kids, we are making waves. And so parents of little ones through fifth graders, I just want to invite you after the service to stop out in our kids' lobby. We are giving away a bunch of great stuff for kids. We've got some fun bubbles for them. We're raffling off an amazing cooler filled with fun goodies for you to just make memories with your family this summer. And for parents, we're giving you a special little hanging tag that you can put in your car, and that's going to walk you through conversation topics about the fruit of the spirit for every week all summer long that go along with what your kids are learning in church. If you're online, we also want to let you know that we're doing a lot of the same things for you, so you can visit us Um, on our Facebook page, Parkview Kids, or you can find us at parkviewkids.com, and that's going to help connect you to all of the same things that we're doing here this summer. Especially if you're watching online, I just want to let you know, especially as you're out of town this summer, we have our kids' services online for you every single week for birth through fifth grade, and so you can find that at parkviewkids.com. And if you have someone who is jumping up in age, that's the big thing happening here this weekend because our elementary kids are jumping up to their new grade level, which means our kindergartners are heading over to the city, our city kids are heading over to the alley, and our alley kids, they're graduating, they're coming to service, they're serving, whatever they're going to do, and so you can also find those videos online at parkviewkids.com and start watching their new grade level there. Speaking of things that are going on in Parkview Kids, I just want to take an opportunity to recognize our volunteers who serve in Parkview Kids. If you would, if you're sitting in the service right now, would you just please stand up Because we want to recognize you. We want to say thank you to you for all that you do. Thank you. As a parent of little ones myself, I can just tell you that you are making a difference. You are making a difference for the next generation by keeping them safe and making them feel loved and helping them to develop a relationship with Jesus. Speaking of our volunteers, church family, we need your help. During this time, especially during the summer, we have a lot of volunteers who are doing the same things that you're doing. They're traveling on vacation, they're going to weddings, they've got graduations. And so we need some people. We need some people to help stand in the gap back here in our kids' ministry. We are looking for adults who are willing to give three services this summer, just three services over the next couple of months. That's just a few hours of your time to fill in back in Parkview Kids. We're going to tell you everything you need to know. You don't have to make any lesson plans. There's going to be a volunteer in the classroom who has been there before to help you out. We would love for you to help with that. So if you're interested in jumping in, I want to tell you a couple of ways that you can sign up. First off, if you're here in person with us, you can step out to that same booth that I told you about, and I'll be out there, and I can help get you connected to the age group and the area that you want to serve in and kind of give you a little bit more information about that. The other thing that you can do is you can go, just like Chad said, to parkviewchurch.info click on the word serve and then give us your information and someone will reach out to you right away to get you signed up for the summer. We would just love and appreciate so much for you to experience our kids ministry and jump on our team to help make a great experience for all of our kiddos this summer. Final kids announcement. It's a lot today, Chad. We have our Summer Jam booth out in the lobby. If you have not signed your kids up yet, you can do that out there. You can also sign up to volunteer. And I'm telling you, you do not want to miss this. It is an amazing volunteer opportunity. And you can get your cool Pirate Summer Jam t-shirt out at the booth as well.
0: Boom. That's amazing, isn't it? Um, <clears throat> in addition to all that uh, we got going on our kids team, this summer, June 15th, next week, uh, we're launching Alpha. And if you're unfamiliar with what that is, it's a conversation that we have at our local bar uh, with people who are interested in God, maybe interested in the Bible, curious how to connect their life and their faith. Uh, It's an incredible chance for you just to grow and understand more about God, and we're doing it at our local bar. It's called Alpha. You can find more information on our webpage. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but there are hundreds of names for God in the Bible. Did you know that? I thought there were thousands. There might be thousands. Why is that though? The real idea is the more names that we have of God, the more ways that we get to discover who he is and what he cares about. And we're about to sing a worship song that's all about the names of God. So we're gonna invite you to stand up together and let's worship our great God.
1: Good morning, Parkview. I hope you guys are ready to meet with such a good God this morning. I'm gonna invite you to clap your hands, get excited, because our God is good, amen. Here we go. I call you. Maker. You give life an eternal spark I call you healer you can mend any broken heart I call you faithful father You finish everything you start My soul was made To respond Let's lift it up together this morning Say, I know you're by a your God, so good you leave this home in glory. For the world he left, for the world that he so loved. No, I'm not just a story. Father God, we lift your name up in this place this morning. Father God, we know that you are good and that you are holy and worthy of praise. And we thank you that this gets to be our testimony that you left a throne so glorious for someone like us. So Father God, we come with gratitude this morning and we come full of expectation to meet with you in this place. Won't you continue to move throughout this service? In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen and amen. Let's lift up some praise to our God this morning.
3: Sit down, turn and say hi to somebody. Greet them with a holy kiss. Do whatever you want to do, man. Monkey pox, I don't care. Come on. Listen, uh, I just I, I, I'm, I just want to say hello. Uh, I'm going to start my sermon in a minute. I just wanted to say a couple of things. That last song, I was visiting my kids' church down in Nashville, and that church, Church of the City, wrote that song, and I'm like, that's a good song, Steal It, Boom. And there it is, you're welcome. That's how we do it, okay? If it's good, I'll steal it. That's what I do, okay? Uh, I just wanna listen, I wanna encourage you um, as we start into the summer, please don't take a vacation from generously supporting God's Word, okay? Uh, if you're a follower of Jesus, you've been entrusted with resources from Him. And you have to manage them, and I know that that's tricky right now. Listen, as a sixty-year-old dude, when the stock market takes a tank, it's a lot harder than a forty-year-old dude. Okay, I'm just going to tell you right now, and I get all that, and I get inflation, and I get all the things that are going on. Um, but I just want to encourage you: we don't take a vacation around here. Okay, we got, already have 600 kids registered for Summer Jam, and we've just barely started getting them registered. And I, I just want to, you know, I just want to challenge you for a moment. Those of you who are followers of Jesus, maybe you've never taken a step to follow Jesus. Jesus said, where your treasure is, your heart will be. He doesn't say where your heart will be, your treasure will be. He says, where your treasure is, your heart will be. And if you know your heart's kind of here, then put your treasure here somehow, some way, and your heart will follow it and, and it, it, you'll be blessed. Jesus promises that over and over again. And for those of you who do give and give sporadically, I would love to encourage you to set it up on auto, man, just like you do everything else. Set it up on auto and give a predetermined amount every week, whatever it is. I mean, you just prioritize it. You prioritize the things that are important to you. Um, so whatever it is, maybe it's a, per- maybe it's a percentage for you, uh, you know, and, and you're working towards a tithe, which is one of the things that they did in the Bible, a- and maybe it's time to step it up a percent or two, okay? I'm just telling you, we need you this summer. Don't take a vacation because we're not. Um, it's really going to be important. N- no matter how we give or what we give, you n- may notice, I mean, we don't push that around here a lot. We don't talk about it a lot, and um, a- and yet, every once in a while, I want to remind you uh, Uh, We're not flush with cash, guys. We spend what comes in, and we could use you, especially as this summer comes, and we do what we do. So at all of our campuses, I want to thank you in advance for what you do for us um, and end, okay? Uh, Let's talk about not taking a vacation from your friends and listen to Jimmy Kimmel unfriending people.
4: National Unfriend Day, for those who don't know, is basically a a juice cleanse for your Facebook page. It's not (laughs) much fun to do. But once you do it, you will feel like a new person. This is the day on which we go through our list of Facebook friends and say goodbye to those who aren't really our friends. You don't have thousands of friends. No one does. (laughs) Even Jesus only had 12 friends. and One of them was not a very good friend at all. And by the way, you're not just limited to friends. So you can unfriend members of your family, too. But anyway, we asked our viewers to leave comments on our Facebook page today telling us who they unfriended and why. Uh, a woman named Missy said, I'm unfriending the friend that became a personal trainer, and now all she does is post videos of her workouts with invites to join her workout group. All I want to do is eat my cookies and peach. She's <laughs> got a reason A lot of people said they were unfriending family members today, like Jace, says, I'm unfriending my mother because she posted a link on my wall about Cure for Constipation. (laughs) For everyone to see, that is a private message material, not public wall fodder. I'm sorry to hear that, Jace. I hope things clear up down there. Ashley said, I'm unfriending my mom because she's recently discovered emojis and no longer uses words to communicate. (laughs) smiley face. (laughs) Jeremiah said I'm unfriending everyone who takes the stupid Facebook surveys. I already know which Disney princess I am. (laughs) Hashtag none. Definitely a Pocahontas right there. Kylie said I'm unfriending Sam for going through all of my pictures and commenting dog on every picture that contains one of my dogs. 55 times. See, I would unfriend Kylie and keep Sam. 55 is too many pictures of your dog. It's a very good start. I'm proud of all of you who participated. A lot of people have trouble with unfriending because they don't want to hurt people's feelings, which makes sense. But if that's the case, don't think of it as unfriending. Think of it as re-strangering, right? That's why we do this as a group. It doesn't hurt as much when you do. Think about the word friend. If you would not invite uh, that person to your house for dinner, not a friend. If you wouldn't drive them to the airport, not a friend. If you would take the stairs to avoid making small talk with them in an elevator, not a friend. Get rid of those people.
3: All right, let's talk about it, right? Way to go, Jimmy. I appreciate that. Welcome, everyone. Homer Glenn, New Lennox Orland Park, online. We're glad to have you with us. I'm Tim. I'm the pastor here. I just want to give you an assignment for the summer that has to do with friends, okay? I know the world is insane, you guys. I live here, too, with wars and inflation and mass shootings and Supreme Court decisions and Politics and monkeypox, and 815 days of COVID. Not that I'm counting, but we're at 815 days. And I still know people that have it, and so do you. But we have Jesus, and it's summer. That's good, right? I mean, I know it's depressing, but we have Jesus and it's summer. Just the change of seasons is huge for us, right? Some of you are with us online from Florida, and Arizona, and South America, and you're like, oh, bummer, it's summer. Well, let me call the wambulance, okay? Let me get out my tiny violin. Those of us who live in Siberia are happy, happy, happy. We don't really care if you're melting, okay? Tough. We love it. Summer's great. But the other thing is, oh yeah, we have Jesus. So if you are with us and you don't have Jesus, we sure would love to share him with you because that's where our hope and our peace comes from. And that's what we are here for is to share him with you and not the weird judgy Jesus you grew up hearing about, the one who cares about you so much that he died for you so that you could spend eternity with him and have hope and peace on this earth, no matter what's going on in the world. So today, just a sermon with an assignment. If you have Jesus, it's time to share him, okay? On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. <laughs> Never a good idea. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked a question. What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? The other guy answered, well, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. If you've heard me say this before, it's because I'm doing my job. That's the great commandment, okay? You're going to hear that a lot. I love the story of the pastor who had the kids come up for uh, a little lesson during church because their church didn't have a kids program that was really awesome like ours do. So the kids have to sit in church and they get bored. So some of you came from churches where they do this. And the pastor would sit down in front and invite all the kids up. And, And this one day he held up a picture of a frog. And he said, what does this remind you of? And one kid said, Jesus. And the pastor said, why would this remind you of Jesus? And the little kid said, Well, I know you didn't bring us down here to talk about frogs, okay? If you've heard this before, good, okay? Jesus, Jesus, love God, love your neighbor as yourself, okay? The Jesus said, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he wanted (laughs) to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Oh, man, this is so good until you get to verse 29. Can you just imagine if this pinhead would have just kept his mouth shut, right? Because for the rest of history, he's the Luke ten twenty-nine guy. If he's in heaven someday, he's going to have a big sticker and say, yep, I'm the guy that, you know, I'm Luke ten twenty nine. that's me. And, and, of course, I'll have this long list of stupid stuff that I've done. But he's in the Bible as being the pinhead, okay? He wanted to justify himself. Read that as he wanted to justify what he was already doing in the neighbor-loving department. And he wanted to make sure he was doing just the right thing going forward. He was, after all, an expert in the law, and he wanted to stay an expert in the law. But Jesus was nice. He didn't call the guy a pinhead. Lesson number one is that Jesus was nicer than Tim, okay? Instead, he told a story. Once upon a time, there was a Jewish guy walking from Jericho to Jerusalem. He'd done his errands and was on his way home. It's a 17-mile stretch of road that did not have highway patrol or adequate lighting. And a gang of thieves came upon him and beat him up and left him for dead. But along the way, you may have heard this story before, we call it the Good Samaritan. Along comes someone to help. And it's a priest, but the priest decides not to get involved, okay? Maybe he was just too busy, or maybe, like religious people do sometimes, maybe he thought to himself, well, that guy probably deserved it, so I'm not going to help him, but that's another sermon. Notice what he does. The priest happened to be going down the same road. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. In other words, he went out of his way to avoid doing the right thing, okay? And God does this to us also, okay? Doesn't he put the people in the right place where you can't help but see them? They're they're in your life. You're thinking about them right now. Remember that this story is told in answer to the dumbest question, in my mind, the dumbest question ever asked of Jesus, which was, well, who is my neighbor? Jesus was saying, "Um, well, like, your neighbor is uh, your neighbor. The person you can't avoid unless you never use your front door and just use the garage and run in and out again. Your neighbor is one of those hurting people that you literally can't avoid. They may be in your family, they may be at work, they may be in your neighborhood, but, you know, there's another guy that comes by the Samaritan, maybe he'll help. So to a Levite, when he came to place, saw him pass by on the other side. Another religious guy. Now, this guy may have had a real kind of godly religious reason for going by because the Levites were the ones who helped offer sacrifices in the temple, okay? And they had special rules about how they had to stay clean so that they could be ready to help the people. That's how that worked, okay? So the Levites had to be more clean than the people, if you will, right? And I think one of the rules, it's a good rule, I think, is don't touch dead people, okay? Not I think I see dead people, but like don't touch dead people. And it's a good rule. I, I still think it's good. Don't touch them. So if the Levite happens to roll the guy over and finds out he's dead, he's contaminated. And he literally can't go to the temple and help the people offer sacrifices, right? Maybe he's, that's what he's thinking. It's still wrong. But remember, again, that this is the exact guy that Jesus is telling the story to. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So this is your summer assignment, okay? It's pretty simple. See and care. Let me ask the the legal expert's dumb question back to you. Who is your neighbor? And my answer is the same as Jesus, um, that it just might be the guy who's right there with you that it just might be the the one that you can't help but avoid. Put see and care back up there for me. I I I want them to hang on to this, okay? It it, it might just be, you don't have to, like, look online. You don't have to go traveling around for them. You got to see them because they're right there, and then you got to care. But in this story... And I won't unpack it because I want to go a different direction with it. But in this story, the Samaritan and the guy that was beaten up were two very different people. And that could be your neighbor. You see, the thing is, God didn't put us here to hang out with the people who are just like us and already have Jesus. He put us here to be in the middle of people not like us who don't have Jesus. So I want to I transition over to the Apostle Paul. Apostle Paul was not a Levite necessarily, but he was definitely one of those religious teachers of the law. Okay, like the guy that asked the stupid question. He was a top-level Jewish Pharisee who was also a purist. He wanted to keep the the, the faith pure. So he wouldn't have rolled the guy over and accidentally found out he was dead either, probably. And actually, if he would have found out the guy was a Christian, he would have arrested him. Because that's where the Apostle Paul started. He started out as Saul, who was trying to rid the world of the cult of the followers of Jesus. But once God changed him, and once he converted to Christianity the other Jewish Christians really never got comfortable with having him around because they couldn't help but think he was just like a a Russian spy hanging out with them, just waiting to turn them all in at some point, right? But this is what he said after Jesus got a hold of him. And this is what I want to unpack with you. Though I am free and belong to no one, and so are you as a Christian, I have made myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. I mean, he already was one, so he could play that game, not eat bacon, you know, eat the kosher hot dogs, do, do all the things that he needed to do. To those under the law, I became like those under the law. Same thing. Okay? So as to win those under the law. Those are the people I care about. Um, to those not having the law, though, I became like one not having the law. In other words, he ate non-kosher hot dogs with those people, okay? He ate meat sacrificed to idols, which was really a, a, a no-no for the Jewish people. He, he, he did the things, nothing that was wrong, sinful, but he did the things that were not under the law because the law died when Jesus died on the cross, And now we were free and belong to no one. And if you don't know the story, in Acts 10, Peter is told by God that he should go ahead and eat those unclean things. And he should go ahead and be with those people that are far away that he is not comfortable being with. Paul did that too, okay? Uh, So as to win those not having the law. To the weak I became weak to win the weak. So I have become all things to all people that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I may share in its blessings. Paul says three major things here I want you to understand. Number one, we are more alike than we think, okay? Paul's declaration here is Jew, law, I can do that. I grew up that way. I got that, okay? No law, Gentile, I can do that. What's the big deal, but hang on, to the weak, I became weak? What do we do with that? I became all things so that I could be a bridge for those who don't know him. What has become weak? Did he get involved in their sinful behaviors with them? Obviously not. He didn't go to the strip Clubs and get wasted with them so he could win some people, okay? Don't take this the wrong way. What he's saying is that if there was a guy on the road who'd been beaten up and might be dead, he wasn't gonna worry about the religious rules. He wasn't gonna worry about what his friends might say or who might post something on social media if he actually stopped and helped a guy who was really different than him. He was gonna go ahead and help them. He wasn't gonna cross over the road to the other side to avoid those who were down. I don't know why I walked like that when I did it, but that was kind of, you know, I, don't, I don't know. He, he wasn't going to duck walk over to the other side. He, he was going to help the guy, okay? Paul was going to love his neighbor, listen to this, no matter what the neighbor believed or what the neighbor was into. That's what he's saying. He was going to love the neighbor no matter what the neighbor believed or what the neighbor was into. This is a huge problem with the church, the big C church in America in 2022. And it actually has been for a long time. The attitude of most Christians in most churches is if people want to know about the good news, they should come here and we'll tell them that sound right? I mean, I'm not, yeah, I'm being a little sarcastic, but it, doesn't that sound right? I mean, I, that's kind of how I grew up. That's kind of how you probably grew up if you grew up in a church. And, and of course, that that's as long as they aren't too different from us. And wow, did the last few years really amplify that. It wasn't bad enough that churches looked so racially and socially all uniform anyway. The last two years showed us the political sameness that most churches fell into. Paul said, to the Jew, I became like a Jew. To the non-Jew, I became like them. To the weak, I became like them. In other words, to a person of a different race or religion or even political party, I became a bridge and not a roadblock. Jesus never said, guys, go put up buildings with signs that say visitors welcome and see who wanders in. (laughs) He said, go into the world and make disciples. I drove by a sign this church this week that had visitors welcome out and it just started cracking me up. Because when I see that on a, a church sign, I feel like it's code for we're really different than you but come and see if you like it anyway. Who knows, maybe you'll feel okay about feeling weird about the fact that nobody told you there was a dress code, and you walk in and you don't have the right clothes on. And oh yeah, don't bring your coffee in, and I hope you like singing 300-year-old songs with an organ accompaniment. Visitors, welcome. Isn't that kind of code for me, right? Right? That, that's, that's not the way it's supposed to be. That was never the plan. What the Apostle Paul says is three important things. Everyone needs Jesus. Everyone needs you to enter their world and not have you wait for them to enter yours. Okay? Everyone has value. We know that. Everyone needs Jesus. And everyone needs you to enter their world and not have you wait for them to enter yours. Many people think that we are living in one of the most divisive times in U.S. history. Okay? Put this together with Jesus. I mean, we did have an actual civil war here once, but the Union and Confederacy people didn't live on the same cul-de-sac or have access to social media, okay? So if you're going to be a good neighbor, you're going to have to look for connecting spots and minimize the Mason-Dixon line, okay? If you flunked history, the Mason-Dixon line was the dividing line between the north and the south. Let me read this again. If you are going to be a good neighbor, you have to look for the connecting spots and minimize the division. That's what's going to happen. And what I'm saying, what Paul is saying is, listen, you have more in common with your neighbors than you think. Do you realize that? I mean, sure, there are some disconnects, but your kids are in the same school. You live in the same neighborhood. You shop at the same grocery stores. There's a lot of stuff that that we can do together. together and leave the divisive stuff behind yeah we have a lot of divisive stuff politics sports values whatever age experience plenty of things that that separate us but if we look for them which is what paul and jesus are telling us to do we have a lot more important things that connect us We we just do have to look for them we're more alike than we think and we're more needed than we think I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Listen, I don't think we've ever been needed before. In my lifetime, we've never been needed as badly as we're needed right now. Sure. Maybe 9-11. Um, those of you that, that were adults going through Vietnam, uh, you know, I mean, there have been other times when, when we've been needed. But I think 815 days of of a virus and all the stuff that goes with it and, and the, the, the mass shootings and, and the, the news every day, we've never been... Needed more than we are right now. People have never needed saving more than right now. They are living without hope, and they may not know it, but the whole reason Jesus came was to give them hope. So again, we are called not to be a roadblock, but a bridge. So my question for you, as a neighbor, is what kind of bridge are you building? All right, for example, maybe it's a one-lane bridge, right? Um, you come across these every once in a while, and that means somebody's got to slow down so that the other person can come along and, and, and go through it, right? So that's just like, well, I, that, that's social media. This is social media. You know that, right? It's like, well, here's my opinion. Okay, I'll wait now. Here's your opinion, and, and we're just going to go back and forth, right? Here's, here's what we're going to do. There, there's, there's no way for us to be together because it's a one-lane bridge, Right? That's not going to work. That's not a good bridge. Another bridge that I thought about was a, is a toll bridge, right? Uh, you, you got you, if you're going to go across this bridge, you got to pay a toll. There's gonna it's going to cost you something, right? Or I also think of, you know, this bridge. Answer me these questions three. But that's just because I'm a big Monty Python fan, okay? So, so it, it, what I'm saying is you've got to be able to pay something to get on. And this is, again, where I think a lot of churches are. You've got to be okay doing it our way. You've got to come through our one-lane bridge, and it's probably going to cost you something to be in a relationship with me. And, of course, that's not going to work. And then I thought there's also a drawbridge, right? The drawbridge, like we have downtown... Those are only available if nothing else is passing through. When I wrote that down, I thought, oh, man, yes. A drawbridge is where a lot of us are. I mean, you know, I could walk over to the other side and go around you if I'm in a hurry, if nothing else is passing through, but maybe it, it, if, if I've got the time, I can see how to help you and be your neighbor. There's also the scary bridge, right? That's the one from Indiana Jones. I mean, remember you remember that, right? It's like, uh, you know, come come to our church. Come and be a part of us, but we're kind of scary, right? We don't want that. And there's the unfinished bridge, which is obviously like, I just in the, it's not going to do you any good, right? You can't be that kind of a bridge either. What we need to be is the old Plank Trail Bridge in Frankfurt. I just thought that's the one I want the picture of. You're out riding your bike, right? A- and you go across this beautiful bridge. You, two bikes can go across, people can go back and forth, and it's beautiful and it works. That's what we're supposed to be, okay? That's your summer assignment. See and care, be a bridge, We are more alike than we think, we are more needed than we think, and we are more blessed than we think. What does he say? He said, I do this all for the sake of the gospel that I might share in its blessings. Let me go back to my original statement. The world's crazy, but it's summer, and oh yeah, I have Jesus. And the reason you're here and the reason you're listening to me is because you probably feel like the world is crazy. Crazy, And you need Jesus too. And you have Jesus. I hope you do. Please let us help you. Because I do. I know the world is crazy. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, Jesus said, I have overcome the world. God has reconciled us. He has restored us. He has extended grace to us, no matter how dead we were before. And he has called us to life and hope and to a promise. And if God never answered one of my prayers, which is ridiculous because he's answered millions of them, but if he never answered one of my prayers the way I wanted him to, if he never blessed me with anything else, he has given me everything I need in Jesus Christ and that is the blessing of the gospel and that's why we call it the good news plus I have had all the other blessings the relationship blessings the physical blessings the spiritual the soul blessings and you know what I've had the blessing of rolling the guy over and helping him and making a friend haven't you I am grateful for the people in my life who have journeyed with me. Some of the unlikeliest friendships found common ground ultimately in the grace of God and my willingness to be a bridge. Listen again to them. This is the message paraphrase of Paul's statement. It's beautifully done by Eugene Peterson. He says, even though I am free of the demands and expectations of everyone, I have voluntarily become a servant to any and all in order to reach a wide range of people. Religious, non-religious, meticulous moralists, loose-living immoralists, the defeated, the demoralized, whoever. I didn't take on their way of life. I kept my bearings in Christ, but I entered their world and tried to experience things from their point of view. I become just about every sort of servant there is in my attempt to lead those I meet into a God saved life. And I did all of this because of the message. I didn't just want to talk about it, I wanted to be in on it. Well, Tim, what if my neighbor's a Democrat and I hate the Democrats? What if my neighbor's a Republican and I hate the Republicans? Well, you're never going to fulfill the great commandment, honestly. I mean, obviously, Jesus and Paul left zero exceptions for people who don't agree with us, quite the opposite. And by the way, your neighbor is a child of God. I just need to help you understand something. You can't love me and hate my kids. Back to the Samaritan. But the certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. So he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine, and he sat him on his own animal, and he brought him to an inn, and he took care of him. And on the next day, when he departed, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend when I come again, I will repay you notice that the Samaritan goes on and does his business. He, he helped the guy, you know, and paid for the guy, but he still left the guy at the hospital and went on to do his, his own work, okay? I think it's fair to surmise that the Samaritan here doesn't just drop everything and help this guy. He doesn't give absolutely everything he owns to help this guy, so he can't care for his own family. Boundaries are okay? He says, listen, here's my credit card number. There will probably be more expenses. I realize this isn't a one-shot thing to be in a relationship with this guy that I just found almost dead on the road. I'm in this for the long haul. And then after Jesus tells a story, he gets to the punchline, and Jesus says, so which of these three do you think was a neighbor to him who fell among the thieves? And he, religious expert, said, he who showed mercy on him. And he said, uh, the, the third guy. He, he can't say Samaritan. I think that's funny. Well, it's the third guy, the, the Samaritan. Yeah, it's that guy. He doesn't even want to admit it because he doesn't like Samaritans. And he can't stand that Jesus used a guy that he couldn't agree with, that was religiously different than Jesus or the, the teacher of the law, a guy that was from the other side of the tracks as the hero of this story. He couldn't stand it, but he knew the point, so he said the third guy. And Jesus says, right, that's right. And then what Jesus says in verse 37, and in John's version is John 4, 29, he said, Go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Go and be like that. So how are we going to see and care? Okay. First of all, we're going to stop. Okay. You got to stop. You you got to leave the drawbridge down and stop. Okay. So that you can be a bridge. Probably this is most most of the problem for most of us. It's not really our attitude, it's our time. There's an experiment I wrote about in my first book called Life on Mission, and I wrote about two Princeton psychologists who set up an experiment based on this story of the Good Samaritan. And they met with a group of seminary students who were preparing to go into ministry, and they asked them to prepare a short talk on a biblical theme and then walk to a nearby building to present it. And along the way, they set up a situation. They planted a man who would be slumped down in the alley that they had to go down, and his head would be down, and his eyes would be closed, and be coughing and groaning, and and obviously in need of help, okay? And and naturally, our researchers wanted to see which students would stop and help the guy. But to make it even more interesting, they added three variables. That's how you do a good experiment. So first thing they did is, ahead of time, they had asked about the motives of why these people were studying ministry. They said, Are you studying ministry because of personal spiritual fulfillment for you and God? Or are you studying ministry because you really want to help other people? Okay, Both would be valid, but but they asked them that. And then the second variable was, we we want one group to prepare a talk on the role of professional clergy. And the other group, we want you to talk about the story of the Good Samaritan. (laughs) Right? Third variable. They told one group they needed to hurry. And rushed to the site because they were already late and people were waiting. And they told the other group they had plenty of time. Now many of us who, you know, would guess that those who entered the ministry not for fulfillment of, their, of themselves because they really wanted to help other people uh, would have definitely stopped more as a percentage, and for sure we would think that those who had a talk on not avoiding the guy and walking around to the other side would have surely stopped to assist. And neither one of those variables had anything to do with the amount of people who stopped. According to the study's analysis, on several occasions, a seminary student who was going to give his talk about the Good Samaritan literally stepped over this guy on his way to do a talk about the Good Samaritan. So what was the key? Researchers discovered that the only variable that mattered was whether or not they were in a hurry. Only 10% of the people who were in a hurry stopped, but 63% of those who had more time stopped to help the victim. Right? If you're going to see and care, you're going to have to stop, drop, okay? You got to get off the donkey. The most important thing that Samaritan did was to stop and get off his donkey. I really always, one of these days, I'm going to use the King James on this, and get off your donkey will sound different. But for right now, I still need to be employed here. But if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, you got to stop and drop. Get off your donkey and, and get down with them one way or another, whatever that means. Stop, drop, and roll. There you go. Okay? Anybody remember that? Okay? This is, what do you do if you're on fire? Stop, drop, and roll. This is what you do. Okay? You stop, drop, and roll. What is roll? you got to roll out some cash. Okay? I mean, the guy reached into his own satchel and pulled out some of his own oil and wine and shared it with him. Everyone carried that around with them. then. He reached into his pocket and he shared, and he gave some money to the, to the innkeeper, to the motel guy, the hospital people, so that they would take care of him. Because if you're going to be a good neighbor, you're going to have to stop, and you're going to have to drop, and you're going to have to roll. It's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you some time. It's going to cost you some mental and emotional energy, maybe some cash for, you know, beers and brats in the backyard or whatever. It may cost you some pride if they believe differently than you do, have different opinions than you. It may cost you some pride. But I want to encourage you this summer, see and care. Stop, drop, and roll. maybe, You've heard this already, but we need help in our kids' ministry. Maybe it's help with Summer Jam. I mean, think about all the kids that are going to be here that, that need Jesus. You could stop, drop, and roll and help them. Maybe you got a friend or a neighbor that needs to sign up for Alpha. We're doing Alpha, man. And we are like one of the only churches in the country that's doing Alpha in bars. And you may not like that, but... It's the place where those people that are going to want to go find out about Jesus are going to feel the most comfortable. You don't need a visitor's welcome sign out in front of a bar. So maybe you ought to invite them and go with them. I'm going to end with uh, another scene from The Chosen. I didn't really plan on doing this when I was going to roll this out, but there's, there's a scene where Jesus is at Matthew, the tax collector's house. And they're having a party, and uh, I bring this up because I lost some really dear friends one time over over an, uh, this issue. Um, really, really dear friends, and um, one of the one of the people was just convinced that our going to the people in the places where they were was troubling. And, and us doing things in a way that made visitors feel so welcome was a little troubling to them, okay? And I had this discussion. I said, do you think that Jesus just went to Matthew, the tax collector's house, who had just decided to follow him, and we know many tax collectors and other people were there. Do you think that Jesus just went in and left again? Or do you think that Jesus actually went in and sat down with them and hung out with them? And this person said to me, I really believe that Jesus walked in and said, follow me, and left. And I said, no. That is not what Jesus did. He never did that. And I show you this scene as just a reminder of the places that Jesus went. To the Jew, to the non-Jew, wherever he needed to go. Hanging out with sinners. Because he wanted to be a good neighbor, and he told us to do the same thing. Um. <laughs> I don't know if he's telling about it, you know? He was teaching?
1: <laughs> the way he ran from the Red Quarter, Nearly tripping on his robes. That <laughs> fairy say running. <laughs> Somehow I can't, see that. Oh. <laughs> I can't see that. I thought for certain he would trip and fall and I would be arrested.
4: Knowing oh, your luck, Rivka. Probably would happen, huh?
3: Oh.
1: <laughs> I thought for
4: certain Lil was gone forever that day.
1: And it's Mary now.
3: Always was. <laughs> No. Hey, you. Does anyone
4: want any grapes? Barnaby, you eat a lot. No. Very observant, no. Matthew. Thank you.
1: Simon. No. No.
4: You know, Matthew, when you're not behind iron bars, you're quite handsome. I agree. Ah. <laughs> what is going on? Hmm. May I help you? We were just on a walk, and we heard voices, and I thought it sounded like... But surely not. And yet it is you. Would you like to come in? We would never, never be caught dead in a... In you know a what? In a tax collector's house? Not only that, but we say. Do you know what she and he, they are... You seem to be having troubles finding your words, man. Why does your master eat with tax collectors and sinners? It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick.
1: I'll invite you to go ahead and stand up with us as we worship.
0: Uh, We're going to continue to worship and respond to God through communion. It's a chance for us to go back and remember all that God has done for us. So hopefully when you came in, you were able to grab one of these packs. If you're on the patio with us, uh, we've got some friends out there that can give you one of these too if you haven't grabbed one yet. But let's take a moment and just remember this incredible thing that God did when he crossed the divide, the divide that sin created between us and him and the way that this holy incredible God came down to the unholy humanity and redeemed us and gave us a chance now to have a relationship with Him. That's what communion is all about. It's a chance for us to remember that incredible gift. Let's take a moment to do that, and then I'll come back and we'll take communion together. I love that incredible reminder, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is how he demonstrated how much he truly loves us. The body of Christ given for you, take and eat. Now the blood of Christ shed for you, take and drink. Let's pray together. Father, thank you Thank you for demonstrating your incredible, deep, rich love for us, for stepping into this world and saving us from our sin and giving us a hope and a future. And so today, God, we just want to say thank you. We love you, God. Thank you for loving us. In the name of Jesus, we pray and everyone said amen. Hey, really glad you made it this weekend. If you're on the patio around the building, thank you so much for joining us. Before you leave, real quick, Nikki V's food truck is here out on our east side of our building. So if you leave here and you're hungry, great opportunity for you right now to go out and hang out. We've also got bounce houses out there. Some bags are out there. So stick around with us, get to know one another, and hang out after worship. Really glad you made it this weekend. Why don't we stand up together? And as you do, may the Lord bless you and keep you, and may He make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you, and turn His face towards you and grant you peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll see you next time. Hey, Parkview. My name is Matt Johnson. I'm so excited for you to be here this week. If this is your first time or your hundredth time, we would love to get connected with you. So go ahead and fill out the digital connect card at the top of the screen, and we'll be reaching out to you to help you on your next step. Also, at any time during the service, if you have questions or you need more info, go to parkviewchurch.info, and that's your one-stop shop to find everything we have going on this week, including all the information we talk about. Finally, if you would love to give to the mission of Parkview, you can do that
4: anytime online during the service. So excited for you to be here. Welcome to Parkview.